0: This is the Cloud Security Today podcast, where leaders learn how to get cloud security done. And now your host, Matt Chiodi. So this is the first special edition or special release of the Cloud Security Today podcast. And I might end up doing a few more of these outside of the normal monthly cadence. And today's episode is a little bit special. I am actually going to be interviewed by Yusuf Khan. He is a partner at Ridge Ventures, a leading venture capital firm in Silicon Valley. And in this episode, I reveal some big news in terms of what I am doing next from a career perspective. So I won't spill the beans, but I will let you listen to the interview with myself and Yusuf Khan. Hope you enjoy it.
1: Matt Coyote. Well, 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 here we are. Mr. I worked at eBay as a security architect. You then did consultant. You big worked for a big pro services company. Then you joined a startup that got acquired, as I understood it. Is that is that correct?
0: That's right, Redlock.
1: And then you happened to then you decided, you know what, I've had enough. I'm just going to go and probably do something super light. So of course in your uh Perseverance of building great companies and picking right solutions, you went off and joined arguably one of the leading cybersecurity companies on the planet, that is Palo Alto Networks. I did. What in the world are you doing now?
0: (laughs) So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll officially announce it to the world. I did leave Palo Alto Networks at the end of February of 22, and I joined a small cybersecurity startup called Serby, C E R B Y. Serby, and what Serby does is Serby delivers a zero trust architecture for unmanageable applications like Twitter, Facebook, and literally thousands of other apps that don't support security standards like single sign-on and skim. And basically, right. what people are doing they're they're using the Serby platform to uh, empower their end users to register their own unmanageable applications. And it takes the burden off IT and security, and then in the background, Serbi automatically corrects is, corrects some of the most common security lapses.
1: Okay, so clearly an underachiever, because uh, you know heaven forbid you're ever going to be thoughtful about going into thinking about companies. So look, the, let's 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 get serious. The reality is you had a, you've been advisor to a bunch of security startups. You've seen a ton of uh, security companies, you know, small, medium, and large, pitch to you as a customer. Um, heaven forbid, rumor has it that even some VCs reached out to you <laughs> and said, hey, how about you come on board and try and tell us a little bit about our cybersecurity investing strategy. But you decided to basically pick Serbi. So I guess the question that everybody's asking is, why?
0: That's a great question. Um, and I thought a lot about it too. But so, so there is a really a massive gap between what, identity providers and enterprise password managers provide. And that has just created a massive uh, attack surface in most organizations, large, medium, and small. So this isn't something that's just unique to kind of the large enterprise. Well, before
1: we go into it, so one of the things, let's be be clear. So in order to basically manage uh, or try to manage identity on these, what you term as unmanageable apps, um, Really, the solution is basically being, hey, uh, you tell users, could you please uh, do us all a favor? A message from the security and IT team is uh, use a password manager. Uh, don't write stuff down. Um, and we'll roll things uh, We'll roll things out for you to be able to do it. And it's therefore, if I'm not mistaken, up to them to then say, oh, there's that little uh, icon on my Chrome browser. I, I, what was that about? And uh, so they're going to have to basically do that. And then they're, Having to basically get reminders, um, but you're not actually managing the app, are you? If you think about it, you're actually just saying, "Hey, you know, this is kind of just as best an effort as you can with an app that you basically have that we haven't been able to bring in, which doesn't integrate with our identity management uh, solution." Um, so, I mean, d- is this the approach that you've seen with enterprises? Is that am I am I reading that correctly?
0: You are. I mean, that's typically what it is. Like, if if the application supports. Uh, common identity standards like SSO and SCIM, they'll plug it into an Okta or an Azure AD and that full application lifecycle, it works. It works great. But the challenge is, is that the majority of what we're calling unmanageable applications, in the past it might have been called shadow IT, the vast majority of them don't support SAML for SSO or SCIM for provisioning in deprovisioning. And, you know, Yusuf, we actually, we did some internal research kind of trying to put some numbers around just what's missing in the vast majority of apps that are out there. So everyone's familiar with like the, you know, the um, ServiceNow's, the Salesforce's, the Microsoft 365's. Those platforms have a tremendous amount of security capabilities that are built into them natively. But once you go outside of those, what I would call tier one SaaS applications, it starts to drop off, drop off just drastically. So we found that 42% of those apps don't support two-factor authentication. 61% don't support single sign-on. Uh, 85% have co- course role-based access control. So as you kind of go toward the tail of those types of SaaS applications, they don't have the security features that most security teams and IT teams require.
1: Well, so... Uh but let's let's make sure we're clear about this. So you've got shadow IT, which is basically a bunch of, uh, you know, with all due respect, a lot of our fellow employees and enterprises, when I was a CIO in a CISO of companies, they would basically be taking in applications, uh, swiping on a credit card and being able to use them for business purposes. Let's right. agree on that. Yep. Some of those applications decided that they wanted to go to the Okta, Okta ecosystem or an identity player at most, found it super hard, did not choose to do so just in the nature of terms of their architecture how they were basically uh, building the app. But then there's a whole bunch of applications that are not really shadow IT. They're just unmanageable, right? So, That's right. Um, well, you know, the, I mean, you've mentioned some of the big ones. they some of the biggest technology companies in the world, right? So uh, Facebook, Meta, of course, then, you know, you've got Twitter there as well. These are all critical for marketing teams and enterprises to, go to be able to market. So, what has been the traditional way of managing applications or at least security or identity for those applications? And then how does Serbi look to basically solve for that?
0: That's a great question. So if probably the best example to think about is like Twitter. All right. So most companies have several Twitter accounts that they manage. Right. But because Twitter was designed to be one user, one account, this is a challenge for companies that usually have dozens of employees and third party agencies that need access to those accounts. So typically what they do is they have to share the password and turn two-factor authentication off. That's where the risk starts to increase dramatically. And so what we see is- uh,
1: In the background, noise was aghast by the IT and security community (laughs) going absolutely nuts. uh, That's right. Share password. I just want to be clear, the context is that Matt Coyote, a professional CISO is saying share password. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Uh, In the full context of it is, you're saying that they've been sharing those passwords. That's fair.
0: Absolutely. They, they've been sharing those passwords. And, and from what we've seen is that typically those passwords are shared in spreadsheets if they're, if they're fancy, right? They'll use a, a Google Sheet and they'll have multiple people accessing it. And that might work, even though it's insecure. It might work when your teams are small. But when you start looking at third parties that need access to those kind of social accounts, that's when things get messy. Because even though you may be managing the password in a password manager what happens when someone leaves the company, right? They st- walk out the doors and they still have access. So there is a major brand risk, especially when it comes to the social types of apps. And that's that's typically how it's been managed in the past, because again, those platforms don't support common identity standards.
1: Right. Got it. So um, tell us a little bit about the functionality. Well, you know, you're, I'm an IT administrator, like I used to be back in the day. i I'm an Octa admin. I've been an Okta customer. I've been a customer of Single Sign-On solutions. How do I how do I deploy Serby? Yeah,
0: that's a great question. So Serby is SaaS, and the way we work is we have a plugin that works in any browser, and it works on. Mobile. And so, what we've typically seen is that in terms of setting it up, usually most organizations can start to get value in probably less than an hour. It's very, very light. If, and one thing that I've seen for my 22 years of doing cybersecurity as a hands on practitioner, being a CISO, most cybersecurity tools are extremely operationally heavy, right? right. The, the rollout, like, you know, you could look at the price tag and say, okay, it costs X. But you have to factor in 30 40% over that for trying to operationalize the tool. So again, Serby SaaS, the only thing that you have to deploy is an agent, or rather not an agent, but a plugin in the browser. And from that, we take care of everything. If you have an identity provider like an Okta or an Azure AD, we've got those integrations. And then from there, what you do is once that, once that plugin is deployed, your users can start registering their own apps. And if they're supported today in Serbi, you can go in if you're an IT or a security administrator, or even if you're somebody in marketing, um, Serbi will automatically go in and start to enforce uh, good security policies. So for example, you can enforce a password complexity requirement. Serbi will automatically rotate passwords. We can manage the two-factor codes, right? And that's one of the other things we see. It's interesting enough, especially with marketing teams when it comes to paid social. Hmm. In the past, before they were using Serbi, they had to either use spreadsheets, password managers, but when it came to the two-factor code, they maybe had a corporate phone and they had to literally, they had to physically pass the phone around or quick try to paste the code, the two-factor code in before it expired. And a lot of times they just turned it off. So we manage all share that. Phone,
1: share shared yes. phone, shared password. Shared
0: phone, shared password. So it's, a, it's now, a nightmare. Basically.
1: Yeah. It's a, yeah, that's <laughs> it's a, a nightmare. Exactly. completely. Okay, so let's move much more in terms of kind of your, uh, you know, you moving into Serbi. You know, tell us a, a little bit about what you're going to be focusing on. What is your title, sir?
0: So, my title is Chief Trust Officer, and my role actually has a couple different components to it. So, security and privacy certainly are a part of that, but it's also how we talk about our capabilities. So much of what I've seen in the industry is lots of promises but very very few good solutions so my job is to make sure that we're building trust with our customers and make sure that it's embedded into every aspect of what we do so i look at the role in kind of different horizons you know for the first few months i'll be working with our customers to deeply understand their challenges around unmanageable applications and because of again how close we sit to the end user right sitting right as a plug-in in the browser we want to make sure that everything we bring to market continues to be beautiful in terms of the UI, but that we also remain laser focused on listening to our customers.
1: So this is your second time doing this. It's not like you've gone from a very, very big corporate job and you're like, oh my God, the travails of a startup. <laughs> like, you know, do I, you know, how do I basically navigate through everything from expenses to onboarding to IT? You, you did this before previously. Is that, is that a fair, uh, fair assumption?
0: I did. I did. So when I, uh, before I came into the startup world, I was always in fortune 500 companies. In fact, before I joined Redlock, which was my last startup, I was actually at Cognizant and Cognizant at the time had, I think 260,000 employees. So just a massive company. And you know, what I've learned about myself over the last, I'd say four, four to six years is that I am a more of a builder than an operator. And I love the semi unstructured nature of startups and about how everything is just every day. It's like something new and you can have that occasionally in fortune 500 big companies, but it's in my experience, just much more rare and a startup. It's new every day. There's always something new. And if you ever have to ask the question, Hey, who's working on this? The answer is you, you're working on it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So well, I mean, look, I mean, no shortage of startups out there, and as I found, you know, working with early stage uh, investing in early stages, really, it's a, it's a bet on the team. So, you know, how do how how did you connect up with the team? How's that, you know, conversation basically been like in in the early days when you actually met with them? Would love to hear a little bit more more depth there.
0: Absolutely. So you mentioned that I was, uh, I was previously at a startup called Redlock focused on cloud security and, uh, we were acquired by Palo Alto networks. I think it was back in 2018. So I was there for almost four years and I think it was probably about 18 months into my time at Palo where I start to get a little bit of an itch. I was like, man, I miss, I miss being in a startup. I'd miss advising startups. And so I reached out to uh, one of our VCs, uh, from Redlock and I just, I had a conversation, right? I kept the conversation going. And it was just like, look, I I would love to chat with some of you know your portfolio companies. And um he said, you know, what are you looking to do? We talked and he said, oh, let me get back to you. So two weeks went by and he sent me a note and he said, Hey, I want you to talk to I want you to talk to this, this guy over here. And I did. And I was I was chatting with um Bismarck Lepe, who is uh the founder, uh, the brother of the founder of Serbi. And I was talking to Bismarck and he said, after about a half hour, he's like, you know what? I think you should talk to my brother. He, he's starting this little, this new, you know, cybersecurity startup. They're going to do things differently. You should talk to my brother, Bell. And I was like, okay. And I did. And as he, at the time now this is going back, this is uh early, or maybe mid 2020, he was explaining to me what they were attempting to do around addressing, you know, unmanageable applications. And to be honest at the time, I thought, that's, that's a pretty novel approach. No one's tried that before. Um, let's, yeah. let's keep talking, right? Let's keep talking. So we did. And, um, you know, I came on the board as an advisor back in August of 2020, and it was still just an idea. There wasn't even, there was no MVP. Right. And, you know, since that time they've launched an MVP, they have brought on more than a dozen design partners and have several paying customers. So it's, they've done a lot. They have a massive amount of progress over the last, uh, 18, 24
1: months. That's fantastic. You know, it's, it's clear that you're you're a great fit for the company. You've been able to both had the experience uh, at a startup doing, a, you know, a similar role. And you, of course, now basically operate at, at large scale, both in consulting, customer-facing roles, as well as large operational roles, et cetera. So what's, what's next for the company? What's, uh, what does the time ahead look like for you?
0: So, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, when Serbi started out, the the challenge that they were specifically trying to solve was around marketing applications. So kind of those apps that you see in the MarTech stack. So think of like the MailChimp and all those types of apps. So that's where they started. And they started here because the brand risk that social media apps bring, it's massive. And it's unfortunately, a lot of times it's not even on the radar of a lot of cyber teams. Uh, one thing I saw, I was looking at IBM found that it takes four years and tens of millions in lost revenue Around and around just over $8 million in direct costs for a brand to recover. So while Serbi started with social, we're now pivoting to financial apps and others like them that don't support common identity standards. And there really is a just there is a much greater number of apps, again, that don't support those common identity standards than those that do. So we're talking just a massive. A massive number of, of of apps that are out there, and um, this is a problem that every organization has, small, medium, and large.
1: Well, uh, Matt, you know you've got a fantastic background and a fantastic experience, and and of course a great story as well in terms of how you've seen both the cybersecurity industry evolve and how customers are served. You know, I get this question quite often, where people ask the question like, "Hey, there's a lot happening in the tech space. You know, there was over three hundred billion dollars invested." uh in early stage startups in in the last year or so and look and, and that will continue new generational transformative companies like serbi will continue to basically uh you know be be built and start to dominate the industry a lot of excitement about it. what advice would you give to you know people who are thinking about making the same transition
0: yeah first off i would say that if you're if you're interested or you're thinking about joining a startup first thing you have to need to realize is that you, you likely won't be siloed in terms of what you're doing, right? So if it's a true startup, you know, 50 people or less, you're going to be doing a little bit of everything. So first off, if that doesn't appeal to you, you want to be a specialist that just focuses on one little area, then a startup may not like, may not be the best path for you. Um, So the second thing is, is, is there, like you said, Yusuf, there has been a ton of money that has gone into startups, which means that, there's going to be a lot of startups and not many of them are going to survive and think last, the last numbers I saw is I think it's like 90% of startups fail and 10% of them failed just in the first year. So what I tell people to do is just to think about if you're a cyber practitioner, think about the challenges that you deal with on a daily basis, like what's a major source of stress, make a list and then go and see what companies are trying to tackle those issues that's like kind of your interest list. Those are those things you're passionate about. The next thing I would do is if you've, if you've found maybe two or three companies that you're like, ah eh, they could be interesting. Make sure you study the founding team and founders come in all shapes and sizes. I've met a lot of them over the years, being an advisor, working with them, using their technology. It's important to know what they are passionate about, see what they've write, what they're writing about and make sure that it really aligns to your values. Um, the other thing i encourage people to do is is look at the company's page usually depending if they're if they're out of stealth they will put down like here are our advisors reach out to their advisors on linkedin you know do your due diligence talk talk about that is talk about them as much as possible and uh, the other thing is i've talked to quite a number of people and they think that hey i'm going to join a startup and i'm going to get rich right and certainly that's a possibility but the Probability is is actually pretty low. So if that's your main goal of starting, of joining a startup, is hey, I want to try to get rich. I would tell you that that's uh, probably not the best idea given some of the failure numbers. So for me, joining a startup has always been about the learning experience and growth because I knew I would not get that anywhere else. So um, those are those are some of the things I would say to look at and to consider before joining a startup. What about you, Yusuf? You you obviously do investing in startups and. What what are some of the words of advice you would give?
1: Yeah, look, I think similar along similar lines. I had to make the transition from you know CIO uh, to VC. and I think, the, the I think the critical things that I that I agree with you on is number one is you know with the intention needs to be alignment either with the founders uh, or with the product offering uh, from your own vantage point as as a former operator, and ideally both. I think that makes a tremendous bit of difference. I think the second piece is yeah, sometimes you have to be out of your comfort zone. You know, I think that's a way for you to be able to challenge and grow and uh, both professionally and personally. And I think those are things to sort of think about and, and knowing. And probably the third thing I would say is know that companies are built over longer term. And, you know, if you're optimizing for economic benefits, that will be uh, actually a byproduct of the effort, not not the effort itself. Right. And so kind of focus uh, from that standpoint. I think if you definitively think about doing the best work your career in building up a company and building up product from the ground up and serving customers from the ground up, um, definitively, successful follow-up. So that's that's kind of my advice. And look, you've you've had a fantastic uh, background story. You could have worked with tons of startups. Uh, you could have you could have been able to do it super easy um, in multiple ways. Um, and you know, you chose that. That shows great testament to both you in terms of your character, but also validation to Serbi as well for them. Thank you. For you choosing them as solution. So. Uh, great collaborating with you today and I'm, I'm looking forward to time ahead.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, user.
1: Thank you for joining us for today's episode. To find out more,
0: please visit us at cloudsecuritytoday.com.